0: Don't you love Christmas carols? There's something about Christmas and songs and music that go hand in hand. They they kind of force us into a season. If you feel uh, humbuggish in your attitude this week, I, I ask you, put some Christmas music on because it, it will change your heart. You'll find yourself singing and, and, and joining in. It'll change your mind and the way you, you think and the way you act because there's something about this season. There's something about music and Christmas that go hand in hand. And As I said before, there's something about scriptures that there's songs written that mostly deal around the birth of Christ. People celebrating out of their heart, angels singing. Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be today. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there, we'll be looking at basically the latter part of these verses, looking at the angels' encounters with the shepherd. There's other songs that you may be familiar with at Christmas. Ones that... um, You may like to sing along with Jingle Bells or Away in the Manger. There's others that have been written around the world at different times of history that you may remember as well. If you know this, uh, sing along with me. I'll be home for you can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas. If only in my dreams. It's the only time I'm ever going to sing for you again. So just be aware of that. You know, so um, whatever. But you know, this song was written, it was written in 1943. It goes way, way back. And it's actually written from the perspective of a soldier who is far away from home who sat and who dreamed a possibility that the war would be over, that peace would be back on earth again, and that things would be made right again. And he longed for home. He longed to be where he really knew he belonged, especially at Christmas, because we have this sense at Christmas we want to belong home. Now, I love this song. I love the sentiment of this song, but in our world today, when we sing this, being home probably for some of you isn't the place you want to be. As hard as that is to say, for some of you, home is not. The place that's good, not the place that I, I feel comfortable. As a matter of fact, going home sometimes is, is uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, it's not only a, a dream, but it's a nightmare for some of you. you. It scares you to thought of being with family that much, being around family that much. The, the things of the past have a tendency to rise to the surface. The things that, that we wish we could have changed of our childhood, the, the words we have said to siblings or, or to relatives or to aunts or to uncles or moms and dads or moms and dads to us have affected us. They've set their place and there has has this moment in our life when it rises back to us again. There is great joy in Christmas. There's great joy in being together. There's great joy in getting gifts and receiving gifts. There's great joy in in those moments of together, but there's also tension for some. Our homes are, we we summarize it. Some of it is good, some of it is bad, and then there's some we don't wanna talk about that's ugly, that we kind of want to forget, we want to push aside, but for, for all of us, those memories in us are, are we try to paint this picture, that Christmas is a season of peace, and yet we often are confronted with our own brokenness. We're often confronted with that. I, I can remember as a child, we, we, we preacher boys are not good at being sons. We don't get home that often. And I remember at Christmas time when I would get home, and there would be a sense of guilt that I had not been home since the year before. And it was always this sense of I wasn't a good son. I didn't do what I should have done. And that even though there was beauty in being with my mom and dad and my siblings, there was also along with that guilt. Does everybody feel that, understand that? Have you journeyed through that? There's that sense that, that I'm not good enough. That I've done something I, I should have done better. And there's this sense of there's not peace. And we long for real peace, but it reminds us in those moments that, uh, that I am broken. That, that things are not what they should be. That I love, but I don't love well. And as as depressing as you are right now, I want you to know that in this this Christmas season, this Christmas event of Luke chapter 2, in all of its beauty and of all of its grandeur and of all of its simpleness, it brings in and ushers in this hope into our broken world that reminds us that peace is possible. Peace isn't just for the special, isn't just for this moment, isn't temporary, but peace is something that can come to us that is more substantial than anything that we may be able to experience. For before Christmas, relational brokenness between ourselves and God, between one another was was basically, we were hopeless. There was no cure. There was no solution. There was nothing that we could do with it. There was just this sense of we're not good enough, we're not enough in order that people may have true love and true peace. So Luke tells us here about this peace. He introduces us this good news that never existed before. A song of the angels, a message from the angels that, man, I hope it jazzes you. I hope that it is, even if it was read this morning, wasn't something that's like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, we've sung that before. No big deal. We go on our life. Please don't miss it. May, may your soul's ears take, take heart. And understand this message of peace that God offers to us today in our world and in our life. So so Luke talks about this angel in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. It talks about this messenger that brings to these shepherds this good news. It says this, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now this is the message this Christmas is all about. That on a very real day, in a very real city, God comes in the shape of a baby. He comes as a speechless baby. The word of God himself comes in the flesh. Wrapped in strips of cloth, probably dirty cloth, laying, laying in a, a feeding trough, something common, something small. No, no, great, uh, no great throne whatsoever, but this child had titles. I don't know about you, but if you looked at your birth certificate... It would just simply have your name, the time you were born, your parents' names. No titles. Mine would just simply have the name of Timmy Lynn Gephardt, which is my... Don't let Liz stop. Liz is Dombrowski laughing at me. Timmy Lynn Gephardt. That's my name. It's my legal name. It's on my birth certificate. And Kayla, stop that. She's laughing too now. I don't... Anyway, back, back, to, back to what I want to talk about. You know, there's no titles. There's just a name. Jesus, when he was born, the angel said this, this baby that she carries... This baby that you're going to find, this baby that's been born, this baby has titles. And those titles are vital to us to understand how distinctive Jesus is. For Jesus is described here as the Savior, for he came to take away all our guilt and shame. Listen to that. Here they get, a Savior to redeem our souls for forgiveness can can occur, that all the guilt that you and I often share that we can lay before the throne of God because we have a Savior now who's able to take that away and wash that away. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who fulfills all the hopes and promises of mankind. He is the one promised to come. He is the one, since the beginning of time, God has talked about and promised. He is the anointed Messiah and the Christ who redeems us. But notice the third title. That Jesus is Lord. That's power. That's authority. I, I, I love what Austin had to say. This, there's nothing more helpless than a baby. I can't do anything. And yet when Jesus came, even in the form of a baby, he was given this title of Lord. Meaning master, meaning overcomer, meaning one with all authority, meaning the one who designed and created all of heaven and earth. Because speaking of what happened, he's the one who defeats our enemies. He is the one who makes us safe. He is the one in whom we serve in the one we worship and the one we lift up and the one we love fully because he first and fully has loved us. This is this baby and this is the good news. Don't you need some good news this Christmas besides an American Express bill or or, or other gifts that you need to buy? Isn't it good news to know that there is one who brings us hope and redemption? There is good news. And what I love about this good news is that that it expands. It's it's good news for more than than just individuals or certain individuals. I don't know about you, but Beth and I are about at this stage where we need new phones. And I I hate that we're at a stage where we want new phones and need new phones. You know why? Because they're expensive now. They didn't used to be expensive when we got into this thing, but now they're expensive. So we're wrestling with this. And so we are, we, we, um, I'm sorry, Verizon. We are Verizon. I'm not pushing Verizon whatsoever, but Verizon has these deals, right? They have these deals. And it's like, we need two phones. You buy one phone and you get one free, but it's not for everybody. It's only for those that are new customers, right? Have you ever have you ever fallen that same trap? Oh look, hey, they got a deal. Then you start reading that really little print, and you find, well, I don't, uh, we we don't qualify, we don't. So everything we look for, you know, we don't qualify, we don't qualify, we don't qualify. So every deal that on the front side is like, hey, this is for you when you really look at the fine print, it goes, oh, it's not for you. And what I love about Christmas, what I love about what the angels had to say that day, what I love to have to say about this forgiveness of grace, it is for what? It is for all, oh, you know the answer. It's for all people. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what generation you're born in. It doesn't matter if you're born in the 50s and 40s and 60s and you are born two days ago. If you're born 20 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, this message of hope, this message of forgiveness, this message of, of peace is a message for all people. It doesn't matter if you have education, a doctoral degree, or you don't. You haven't even been to kindergarten yet. It doesn't matter what economics you have, what side of the tracks you live on. It doesn't matter whether you can pay bills or can't pay bills. It does not matter because Jesus Christ and the redemption is for all people and folks that's good news and that's what we the church have heard and responded to and go listen I like this news I need this news I want this news and I want to share this news because it is the greatest news this world still needs to hear even though they reject it even though they think they've heard it they have not heard it because they have not come face to face and nose to nose with the Jesus who is our redeemer and our savior this is the good news that is for all. And I, I gotta tell you, these angels that, that, that came to, to announce this, this audience, they have been they have been waiting since the beginning that sin entered in through Adam and Eve. They've been waiting to come and to bring a message of hope. That's a long time to wait. That's a long time to be practicing the same thing over and over and over again. I come to bring you good news. It's a long time to be anticipation. And all of a sudden on this day, in this moment, on the history of the earth, they get the call, they break through, they come into the earth and they can't wait for the multitude that they're going to sing to. And I only have this small feeling, this is my own Tim uh, speaking into this, that they came through and they became in full form and they started to sing this message and they looked out and there was a small handful of dirty men. are are we in the right spot? (laughs) Are are you sure this is a message for these guys? Is there anybody else here on this hillside? Anybody, Anybody else out here that can hear this? Anybody? But it came intentionally to shepherds. You see, because it's not just a verbal message for everyone. It was demonstrated that it was for everyone, because these shepherds, they were the social outcasts. They were the spiritually unclean. They were the ones who, in their, in their, be out, not, not respected by amongst others, but it was respected by God Himself. The good news is that, that Jesus Christ is coming. He declared it to these, these men that, that were unknown and still unknown. And we often think that the message of Christ—that forgiveness is always for somebody else, that peace is for somebody else, that the goodness is for somebody else—but I want to tell you that it is for all people. As a matter of fact, we often I come across people I just don't feel, you know, I'm not good enough for God, and that's you know what? You're right. I'm not. You're not. We are not. As a matter of fact, the one thing that qualifies you for the love of God is your sin. Your sin. Your, your brokenness, our, our inabilities to, to live the way God would want us to, that is what qualifies us for the grace and our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what qualifies us that God goes, I, I come to love you and to embrace you because he knows us full well. I mean, I, I love that about Jesus. Our sin doesn't disqualify us from a relationship with God and initiated our relationship with God. And God laid down His life in order that we may have everlasting life. You see, songs have purpose, and this song, that this moment, that the angel, this angel spoke to the shepherds, this message of Jesus who came, and the message of good news, and the message—it was for all people—is important. Every song has a purpose. Usually, when it's been written, there's been something underlying story. There's an old so- old song. Again, I'm going back to older songs. Carly Simon. Wrote a song that some of you may be familiar with, and if you're younger, you've probably heard it. You're so—I'm not going to sing this one. You're so vain, right? And some of your younger is going, "No, I have no clue." You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you, don't you? Don't right? Some of you, everybody know this? Yeah, it's a—it's—it's a, it's a fun song. If you—you you know, catch it on the radio, you start singing this song, and it, there's this meaning that always said, "Who is it?" Everybody wanted to know who, because she wrote it herself. Like, who was it? And she said it was a lot of different guys. But most people think it's Warren Beatty. And of course, you guys going, who's that? Google him. Later, much later, or never at all. But Warren Beatty thinks it's about Warren Beatty as well, because Warren Beatty thought that whole song was about himself. He was so egotistical that he really thought, that's me. It's got to be me. It was one of his, her, her, her old flings or whatever like that. There's another song that you may know. It goes back a little bit farther, The Drifters. I, I like the meaning behind this one. Is It says, save, save the last dance for me. Right? Isn't that a sweet song? Anyway, I told you I wouldn't sing anymore. This song is actually written by Doc Pomas. And he wrote it, wrote it after he watched his bride, his brand new bride, dance with everyone else but him at his wedding. Now, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Like that's just that, horrible. You know why? Because Doc Pomas had polio. And he couldn't dance. But he wrote the song because... Save that last one for me because we're we're going home. You're my bride. You may be dancing with all these other guys, but we're we're going to go out. What is the meaning of this song that the angels come to sing? There's an undercut of meaning that we we need to listen to, we need to pay attention to because this one single angel was joined by a host of angels, an army of angels, an overwhelming moment for these shepherds. And they sing this song. Read it with me, will you please? I think it's going to be on the screen. It's Luke chapter two, verse 14. Let's take a look at this. And it says this, read it with me. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's do it a little bit better than that. You ready? Here we go. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, there's purpose in the good news and it's described by this song that this host of angels says. It begins to declare this peace with God. It begins to declare in the highest of heavens of glory. It begins, this two things that God desires to bring. Glory and honor and revealing who he is. That God has not left or abandoned mankind, but he has entered into our world to engage us in flesh, in pain and agony, and take upon himself our sin, that we may become sinless. Jesus, the song here is referencing what Jesus brings us, a peace that is more than the absence of conflict or animosity, but the presence of joyfulness, of tranquility. This notice that this peace, though, is in conjunction with God's glory. Look at the song again. Look at the text. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. God's glory. Take a look at God's glory. God's glory in the highest. God's purpose is to be given us that we may know him, that he may be declared. It is to remind us all through New Testament, God is revealed as the peacemaker. In Romans 15, we see that God is the God of peace. In John 14, Jesus tells us that my peace I give to you. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, and he describes Jesus himself as our peace. What they're trying to say is peace is not a circumstance. Peace is the presence and relationship in conjunction with God himself. Peace comes with God and never can be separated from him. In other words, if I want peace, real peace in my life, then it can only come when I am connected to the God of peace, Only when I'm in a relationship with him. It cannot be established outside of him. We can't do the things we think we should be able to do in order to have peace, to find peace, to buy peace. It's not there. Peace really only comes in that relationship with Jesus Christ. It's sort of like I expect my lights to work only when they're plugged in. If I unplug them, they're not gonna work. But yet we think that we can stay distant from God, separate from God, and yet have peace in our lives, have peace in our heart and peace in our soul, but it only comes in our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because that connection occurs by our faith, our trusting God himself. Romans 15, verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. To catch that? As you as you're living life, as you're walking day by day, as you're making decisions, as you're journeying with him, his his joy and his peace will fill you. It has the potential of filling us as we trust him in each day that we live. And it's through our trusting in Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Messiah and our Lord that we can find this peace. I don't know about you, but, but we need this peace. You see, God's peace, you know, it goes out to all. Did you notice that? The first angel said um, that, that it's for everybody. We talked about that just a few minutes ago. But if you look at this text and, and read others of that, that Luke 2 passage, it says, on earth, on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. That seems limited, doesn't it? How can we go to all and then limited? What's happening here? How can it be something given to everyone, but it's only resting on a certain few? I can tell you why. It's because when that favor of peace and that favor of the good news and the favor of the gospel falls on the ground, some hearts respond to it. Some hearts respond to it. Some parts become filled with it. Some parts of it connect themselves with God, and others reject it. And when you reject it, you also reject the favor. Does that make sense? It's not that God has rejected them. It's that, that, they, that mankind has rejected God's gift of peace through his son, Jesus Christ. And so our peace, where does our peace need to start? How do I get it? Because you're sitting here going, that's great, a lot of talk, blah, 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 blah. But where does it begin? How can I begin my journey and really begin at peace? Because, Tim, there's a lot of things that are up in the air in our life. And, are, and I'm in a worry, and I'm consumed, and I don't know. If, and I think that God wants us to know this morning, listen, Breathe. Trust and know that peace begins here because our peace really begins with God. It's the basic need that we have. It begins with our peace with God. It's the good news of Christmas, what I've talked about. This is the good news of Jesus. Our sin has is, is disturbed this peace we had with God and mankind, and now because of Christ has been brought back together. Our sin has been paid, and that internal separation from God you know, often has this price, and it is that separation from God, but that is what Jesus has done. He's brought us back together. He has fixed what we ourselves have, have broken. He came, he was born, he lived, and revealed his identity and a plan of salvation for all of us on our behalf. On Romans 5, verse 1, it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God declares to us today, through Jesus Christ, through those who have faith in him, who have been given their life to him, a righteousness, not our own, a forgiveness we do not deserve. And in his sight, he has made us holy by, by, tra- by trading our accounts. I owe a great debt I cannot pay, but Jesus has paid that. He's swapped that out, and he we we has given us his sinlessness, and he has taken upon himself our sin. You see, it's great for us to know that we can be at peace with God today. But we can also be at peace with ourselves. Have you ever thought about being at peace with yourself? How much peace are you with yourself? Because you see, the peace of God also affects that. Too many times we're our worst critics. We're hard on ourselves. We allow past sins that God says is forgiven we allow Satan to bring those back up again and for him to accuse us and to point his finger at us. We, we limit the grace of God and think that it's, it won't, what doesn't diminish it, that I'm still, we're still horrible, horrible people. And God goes, I have not come to beat you up or condemn you, but to save you, to redeem you, to bring you life. This peace does not, this peace that God brings us through Christ is the one that allows us to be obedient to him, obeying our God, that he replaces the old with something new. And the old old way of thinking about ourselves needs to go away. And the new way needs to be entered in. John 1, chapter 1, verse, 1 John, chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, too often we allow Satan, the accuser, to steal away peace. We allow worry to steal away peace. We allow our, our lack of trust in the character of God to steal away peace peace, but we need to allow the forgiveness to swallow us up, to renew us, to renew our mind, to renew our identity. We are in Christ. We are His. We are forgiven, and Christ loves us, and that is what gives us peace. It is because who is with me in this journey of life, not the circumstances of life, and because Christ is with us, because He promises to be with us, because His Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, and He does not sleep nor slumber, that He knows what's best for us, that He leads us in the paths of righteousness, that our Jesus Christ is the the one that that loves us to no end, then let us be at peace about our own identity, about who we are. But as we enter into this Christmas season, not only can we have peace with God and peace with ourselves, but this may be the hardest one, peace with others. (laughs) Right? Peace with others. I I mean, there's life, you know, there's sometimes you can be the greatest peacemaker ever. I mean, you do everything in your power to be peacemaker, be a peacemaker, and all of a sudden, just people just hate on you. And you can't figure it out. Like, why? Why are they in the workplace? Do not, you know, why is this not, what is so wrong with this? And I, and I love what Paul writes in this scenario, that God, God puts this in Paul's mind because it allows us to find comfort in this. It goes, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do what you can. Do what you can to bring peace. You're gonna go home. You're gonna see people. You're gonna maybe see family members you don't get along with. Are you gonna come in as a peacemaker or are you gonna come in and start poking the bear again? Are you gonna start blaming again? Are you gonna start bringing the same perspective again? Are you gonna start stirring up the stuff all over again? Or are you gonna come in and go, God, transform my mind, transform my tongue, transform my heart. Help me to come in as far as all the energy in me. That I may be one who brings healing this year to a relationship that's been broken for 10, 15, five years, two years, six months. I don't care how much, how long it is. But that God goes, it's time to deal with this. It's time to bring peace into it. And God's calling you to be that peacemaker. He's calling me to be that peacemaker. Now, some, you know, there's some of there's old pain, some of it's new pain. For some relationships, you know, you know what you need to do. Yeah, I know I need to, to tell them I'm sorry, but I just can't do it. It's time to do it. It's time that I know we need to talk. Then it's time to talk. You know. And there are other situations that you're clueless because no matter what you do, it's used against you. And you feel helpless in that moment. No matter which case that you may find yourself in, the key is to trust in God's promise of forgiveness and grace. To forgive them. Just, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lay it down. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to lay my pride down. I'm going to lay my rights down. I, you know, because a lot of times we want to bring our rights up. Like I have every right to be mad. You may. But you don't have every right to stay mad. And we lay that down. We allow grace to enter in. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it, it says. And instead, it says in verse 32... Be kind, and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How many times? 70 times seven, however long it takes. Forgive, forgive, forgive. forgive. Bring peace into the, through our, your heart and bring peace into, into the, the world. Bring peace into the family. Bring love of the grace and tenderness. And this is what God has done for us. We celebrate Christmas, the Christ child. I don't know about you, but in the midst of your journey and in the midst of your conflicts of life, I want you to know something. God is not distant. God is not uncaring, but God is literally saying to you and to me, listen, I can fix this. I can, I can heal this. It may take time, but it will take our own hearts to be surrendered to Christ and the grace of Christ, the forgiveness that we love, that God has given us through the cross, needs to be applied to all relationships, all work with all neighbors, whoever it may be that you find that you have an issue with, that you simply say, God, I lay it before your feet. I want to extend grace. I want to extend love, and I want you to guard and protect my heart that it may not become bitter and angry. Christmas, Christmas is about the good news. That there's peace and it can be ours. Jesus, today we come before you. And Father, there are some here today that don't know you at all. They're learning about you, they're struggling with you. And Father, they they, they carry that guilt and that pain in their heart and their life and they want peace, but they're afraid. So Father, I pray that the good news today is that Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior and Redeemer has come to them and simply said, follow me. Trust me, put your faith in me and come to know peace and forgiveness. And Father, we know that you will cleanse us of those things. And so today, Father, I pray for those that are here that wanna find peace with you for the first time. I pray, Father, they'll talk to me, talk to somebody. They'll begin asking questions. They want to go into scriptures. They want to read and allow your word and your Holy Spirit to work in them and to shape them and bring them a new breath and life that they long for. That's what you do. And, Father, I pray that you'll bring peace upon some of them that are here today that have been beating themselves up for years. They know your grace. They know you. But yet their minds constantly belittle themselves. Father, today may they know that they're loved, that you cherish them, that they're valuable, they're gifted, they're purposeful. Father, you have a grand story of their life to write, a life of joy, a life of heartbreak, a life of hope, a life of tears, a life of celebration, a life of bringing you glory. Father, we need wisdom when it comes to people in our life. Father, help us to learn how to forgive, truly forgive. Teach us how to be a peacemaker like you are a peacemaker, even if it is costly, even if it means our own sacrifice. Jesus, help us to lay our life down so that you may be known and that peace may come to someone else's heart. So Jesus, thank you for this blessing of Christmas, in Jesus' name.